are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, today, I want to share with you why every Christian needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is the 50th day after Easter, and it replaces the the Jewish feast of Pentecost, which took place 50 days after the Passover. Now, those of you who know your Bible and been in Sunday school and things like that, know that know about the Passover, how uh, when the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt, how God sent different plagues to try to convince uh, Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go. He became stubborn. He wouldn't budge. Finally, God said, I'm going to uh, cause the firstborn of all of the children of all the families in Egypt to die. And God said the only way that anyone will escape the death angel will be if they slaughter a lamb for every household and apply the blood to the doorpost of the home. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so the Jewish faith is great in keeping memorials of certain events that happened between them and God. So this Passover was pointing to the day when Jesus, God's Lamb, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, would be crucified. He would be the once for all sacrifice for sin. His blood would be shed and we would be set free. And so then, that is where the Passover came from. And then, 50 days after that was Pentecost. Now, that gives you an idea why there were so many people in Jerusalem on this day, on Pentecost. This happened in 1441 B.C., some 4,453 years ago. And... uh, The Jewish faith has been faithful in keeping those down through the years. So you see why this, why all the the people from all over the world were in Jerusalem at this time. And so you understand that when, when the Bible talks about the day of Pentecost fully coming, it was on this day that the promised Holy Spirit was poured out upon 120 people in an upper room signifying what many people feel was the birth of the church. 
So let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That is very important, to be in one accord, to be in agreement, to be one in your faith, one in your belief, one in your hope, one in believing that what God has promised he will perform in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them a divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not a thing. He's not an it. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. So let's look at the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe, and a lot of people with me, believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. Amen? And we believe in one God, not three gods. One God, but three divine persons who are also one. And so in that diagram you see there, the Son is not the Father and the Father is not the Son. The Father is not the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Son and the Son is not the Holy Spirit but they are all God. Amen? In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. <coughs> Excuse me. Some people accuse us of serving three gods. That's not true. We serve one God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit plays a, a, a specific part in the role of the Godhead, the role of the Trinity. The unbelieving world will not believe this great biblical truth because it can't. It takes faith to believe it. Jesus said it neither sees him <clears throat> or knows him. He said, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. He lives with you, and he will be in, in you, referring to when he would send the promise of the Father. He was sent to continue the work of the kingdom of God, being more effective than Jesus could ever be on the earth. R.A. Torrey said, I, I can think of no thought more humbling nor more overwhelming than the thought that a person of divine majesty and glory dwells in my heart and is ready to use even me. 
The divine personality of the Holy Spirit is observed in his actions. He's a promised counselor. He gives gifts to edify the church. And he lives within us as Christians. Now, the Apostle Paul ascribes him as equal in power and deity. 2 Corinthians, for instance, uh, chapter 13, verse 14. He says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. He's referring to the Trinity. He's referring to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's often used in benediction. Jesus commanded in the Great Commission, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. And he is given a personal name. His name is Holy Spirit. Peter was speaking to Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that couple, the early church? Uh, People uh, decided to sell some land and, and uh, give all of the proceeds to the church to help, to help the work of the church. And so Ananias and Sapphira had some land, and they, they said, okay, let's us do, do something. So they decided among them that they would sell the land, and they would give, I don't know how much, but let's say 50% they would give to the, to the church, and 50, 50% they would keep for themselves perfectly okay. Nothing wrong with it at all. But what they, what they did was try to make believe that they had sold their land for a certain amount of money and they had given 100% to the church. And so it, 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 they were trying to make a show of it. And so Peter says to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit. So you see here that the Holy Spirit is a person. You can lie to him. And, uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is his name. He is God. And because then Peter goes on to say, you have not lied to men. You have lied to God. Just a little bit up further, he says, you've, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And now he says, you haven't lied to men. You've lied to God. Okay, the Holy Spirit is, is a real person who, who works, whose work is to get a hold of our lives and use us for God's glory, to empower us, empower us to be witnesses, empower us to share our faith and to do the works of God. So let's look at the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus had promised, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So they started in Jerusalem, and it went out from there, and he ends up by saying, to the ends of the earth. In other words, everywhere, wherever there are people, the Holy Spirit will be filling them. Let's just read verse 4 to 8, uh, uh, that, that portion of Scripture in chapter, Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, 
which he said, you have heard of me. You see, he had, he had taught them uh, much about the Holy Spirit in the Gospels. He had told them that it was necessary for him to go because if he didn't go back to heaven, the, the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. But if the Holy Spirit would come, the Holy Spirit would be with them and in them, and they would be effective, much more effective. He said, greater things than I do, you will do, because I go to my Father. And so they would be more effective than Jesus could ever be when he was on the earth in his flesh. Now the Holy Spirit would be indwelling people, and they would go everywhere preaching and teaching the gospel and doing the mighty miracles that Jesus did because the Holy Spirit would be in them and with them. Therefore, when they had come together, they said to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So, so he's saying, forget about that, but you shall be, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you're going to be witnesses for me all over the world. Amen? Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit can infuse heaven-sent power into our churches. That's what he's, that is what it's meant to do. When God sent the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, into his church, he meant for us to be powerful for him. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So here it was. Now, that word power is the word we get dynamite from, is dynamis. And it, it is, the Greek word is dynamis, and it's a word we get dynamite from. It means strength. It means power. It means ability. Ability to do things that we could not do in our own strength. The record of the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, verses 16 to 18, reveals the extent of this power. This is what Jesus said as he was commissioning the disciples, as recorded in Mark, Mark chapter 16. He said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who believes not will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen? That is from the lips of Jesus to his disciples. And he said, these kind of signs will follow those who believe. Are you a believer? Then you can expect those kinds of signs to follow you. The book of Acts is an account of the transforming power of God, the Holy Spirit, as evidence in the, in the, apostle Paul, the apostles' lives. Uh, from fearful weakening, weaklings to fearless witnesses for Jesus. You remember, they all ran away. When the, when the Roman soldiers came to, to arrest Jesus, they all, all of his disciples fled. But now, continuing in his miracle-working ministry, in all power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, these men became powerhouses for God. 
It's God's intent that his church continue in this power. The presence of the Holy Spirit. When the people asked Peter after he preached that sermon, what shall we do? As Peter told them about how they crucified the Lord of glory, how he rose again from the grave, how Joel had prophesied that in the last days God would pour out his Holy Spirit upon all people. Young men would see visions, old men would dream dreams, and uh, on my servants and on my handmaidens I'll pour out of my Spirit and they will prophesy. Joel had, had prophesied that hundreds of years before, and now Peter said, this is it. This is that which was spoken by the prophet. You're seeing it right now. And so they said, what shall we do then? And Peter said in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You notice it's a gift. It's not something that you've got to struggle for. It's not something that you've... You've got to do penance for. It is a gift. After you've, been, after you've been repented, after you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a candidate to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter then clarifies the age-old controversy of whether the Holy Spirit baptism was just for the early church. I've had people suggest to me that it was. I've read many, many books of some great authors that suggested that the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the miracles, all these things, went out with the early church. It was just to get the church started. And now we don't need it anymore. If ever we needed the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it is today. There is never a time in history when it's been so dark in the world as it is today. Although we have probably, what is it, close to 7 uh, billion people on, on this planet right now. There are only 2 billion Christians. So the non-Christians vastly outnumber the born-again Christians. But the church started with a handful of people 120 in the upper room. And it grew rapidly from there. And when two billion born-again believers get on fire for God and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he wants to do in their lives, you're going to see a revival like has never happened before. So Peter clears up this controversy. He says, the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want you to know that God is still calling people today. He's still calling men and women, boys and girls, unto himself. He's still calling sinners to repentance. And as long as he is calling people to himself, 
As long as he's calling sinners to repentance, he is offering them the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that more people can come to know Jesus as their Savior. You know, it didn't end with me and it didn't end with you. When you and I received Christ as our Savior, that wasn't the end of it. There's still billions of people that don't know Jesus. And you and I are supposed to do our part to help them to come to know him. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's everywhere. We sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in various situations. In prayer, when you're praying, you sense his presence. In worship, you sense his presence. In ministry, when you're ministry, praying for someone, uh, ministering healing or, or counseling them or whatever, you're sensing the presence of God as you're leaning upon him. You give your testimony, you share your faith, you sense his presence. In quiet times, you sense his presence. It's too late for someone to come to you and tell you that the Holy Spirit isn't a person. It's too late for them to tell you that you can't sense him, that he's not real, because you sense his presence. Amen? We have all sensed this presence of, of conviction, convicting us of our sinfulness, prompting us in an overwhelming desire to repent. But his comforting, loving assurance, his blessing and his presence is reserved for his children. When you receive Christ into your heart, he comes into your heart by his Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in your life. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit is in you right now. Sometimes people have got this all messed up. They misunderstand the Pentecostals. They think, well, there are some breeds of them, I guess, that say you've got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can't go to heaven unless you are. That's not true. Holy Spirit is to enhance your ministry, enhance your faith, to empower you, to equip you to be of greater service for God, to be an effective person for the kingdom of God. And so when, you were, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't become a better person. You don't become more saved. You've been given some tools so that you can reach your world for Christ. Holy Spirit does not live in you unless you confess and repent. Unless you're born again, the Holy Spirit don't take up residence in your life. But the moment you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Every born-again Christian has Holy Spirit living in him. But there is a need to be filled, to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So why do every Christian need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? The classic 
verses on the baptism of the Holy Spirit give us reasons why we need this biblical experience. Number one, as I've already said, to be witnesses, to be filled with power, to be effective witnesses. The disciples were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And under the influence of, of this Holy Spirit anointing and power, Peter stood and preached a message that brought many under conviction of sin. The Bible says a multitude believed and repented, and 3,000 souls were saved and baptized the same day. A few days before that, he couldn't, he couldn't admit to a little servant girl that he was Jesus' friend. She said, I, I know you. You're one of them. You were with him. And Peter said, no, 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 no. I don't know the man. He's a stranger. I don't know him. And now, He's preaching to thousands and thousands of people. And 300 people are bowing their knee to Christ and saying, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. That's what difference, that's the difference the Holy Spirit can make in your life. They spoke in other tongues. This brings edification to the one speaking in tongues. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, Paul said. In Jude 1.20, we read, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, the Bible gives us a number of reasons why, why it's beneficial to speak in tongues. But I think one of the, the best reasons is that I can be built up in my spirit. I know for me, when I speak in tongues, I'm praying, I'm speaking in tongues, using my heavenly language. And sometimes I just don't know how to say it. I just don't know what to say. But the burden on my heart is so great. And as I begin to pray in tongues, then I can pray in English much better. Bold speaking of the Word of God came as a result of their being filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak the Word with boldness. And you receive a certain amount of boldness when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 we read, they, they were praying and they said, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. With great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of Jesus and much grace was upon them all. You have to realize it wasn't like coming into Coal Lake and just sharing with someone. And they might tolerate you and they might not. The worst they would do is slam the door in your face or just say something derogatory to you or, 
or curse at you, but these people were putting their life in their hands just to suggest that Jesus had risen from the grave, just to suggest that he was alive and that he could forgive their sins. And yet they did it gladly and they did it boldly because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. A radical transformation of your life can follow your receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Saul of Tarsus is a good example. He had been viciously persecuting the church. Then Saul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was powerfully saved, filled with the Spirit. He began to preach boldly in the name of Jesus. Radical transformation. He became known as the Apostle Paul, and he wrote more than a dozen of the books of the New Testament. That's what happens when someone allows the Spirit of God to fill their lives. And another thing that happens, our prejudices are ousted. The Jewish Christians with Peter were astonished that the Gentiles received both salvation and baptism with, with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. <clears throat> that was the event that broke down the Jewish Christian bias and the religious prejudice against the Gentiles when they saw that the same Holy Spirit that they received in the upper room, the same Holy Spirit was now being outpoured on Gentile people. Spiritual gifts begin to flow in your life after you're baptized with the Spirit. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. The church is strengthened when various gifts of the Holy Spirit are manifested in a fitting and orderly way. In past, we have been guilty, Pentecostals have been guilty of being very disorderly. But God is training us and teaching us. We understand that when you come together, Paul said, everyone has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. All these must be done for the strengthening of the church. When you use the gifts that God has given you, the spiritual gifts in the church, it is for the strengthening of the church. It is not for me. It is not look how spiritual I am because I am no more spiritual since I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit than I was when I asked Jesus to come into my heart the first day I became a Christian. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit and God begins to use you in the gifts of the Spirit, you don't thumb your nose at some of your other Christian brothers. You don't, you don't, you don't think you're higher or better or more spiritual than your Baptist brothers or your Alliance brothers or your United brothers or your Lutheran brothers. You just know that God has got a hold of your life. You just know that you have received the gift that he freely gives to everyone and you're no better, you're no more spiritual than you was before, but you are equipped to do the work of the ministry. Amen? Let's not be content to focus only 
on the word and worship. A biblically sound church will also have the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, as Paul wrote above. So we're not looking to be a large church. We want to be a large, spirit-filled church, a place where sinners can find Jesus as their Savior, a place where people get filled with the Holy Spirit, a place where sick are healed, where the prayer of faith will heal the sick, a place where all the gifts of the Holy Spirit is in operation. Tongues and interpretation. Prophecy. Words of wisdom. Words of knowledge. Some people need a word of wisdom. Some people need a word of knowledge. Gifts of healings. Faith. Working of miracles discerning of spirits. And then, from this place, God will send out his ministry gifts to his church around the world. The prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, the pastors, teachers, going out from within the walls of this building. You see, that's God's gift. Whether you like to think of it or not, I'm one of God's gifts to you. Isn't that wonderful? But God will be continually raising up. I came from a congregation. I came from a little church. God got a hold of my life. Saved me had to do a lot of chipping away at me, finally got me to a place where I said, okay, Lord, whatever you want from me, I'll do it. Left a good paying job, with a good future, and said, Lord, I'll be a minister of the gospel. Never been sorry, not one day of my life. God has made it up to me over and over and over and over again. That's why I have no, there's no embarrassment of, of telling people about the benefits of serving God, the benefits of giving, sharing, because God pours into your heart. When you allow him to do what he wants to do in your life, he just pours into your life, pours into your life. Spiritual gifts, health, happiness. Man, I feel sorry for some of those people who got millions of dollars and their life are falling apart. It's so unnecessary. They could be doing so much for the kingdom of God and enjoying life so much better. And then, when the Holy Spirit infills you, there'll be more and more people 
wanting to be a part of the ministries of helps that God gives to the church as well. Would you stand with me this morning? God is so good. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart today. Maybe this message created a hunger. You say, man, that's what Pastor Hayward is talking about today. I want that. Well, all you got to do is just get along with God and say, Lord, I need that. If, you've, if that's for me, if that's for the day, would you fill me with the Holy Ghost? He will. Because it's to his benefit for you and I to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The things that God wants to do in Cold Lake can't be done with education. It can't be done with training. It can't be done with natural gifts. All of these things are good, but alone it cannot do the job that God has called us to do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to be place of entertainment. We want to be a lighthouse. We want to be a place where homes are restored, marriages are restored, sick bodies are healed. Young people go out into life, start out in life on the right track. God wants to do it through me, he wants to do it through you. Let his Holy Spirit guide you, direct you. And if you feel you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, I'm available. I surrender to you. Whatever you've promised, I want to receive. Don't go. Let, don't let the devil lie to you and say, well, you're not good enough. The reason you feel you're not good enough is because you're not strong enough. You don't have enough power. You don't have enough ability. You don't get that in books. You don't get that in courses. You don't get that in, in videos. You get that through the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you. Let's be a church on fire for God. Lord bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, I'll be glad to stick around and pray with you. You want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? You can. This very day. Right now. If you're not saved, if, you do, if you're not serving Jesus, you don't know that you're born again, if you don't know that if your heart were to quit beating right now, 
that you would go to heaven, you'd be going to his presence. Come up and talk with me. I want to show you a better way. Lord bless you. Have a great week. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.